0: Welcome to the Mike Avidier Show.
1: This is your host, Mike Avidier, and I am joined by my amazing co-host, Gino Bacola. Good morning, Gino. How are you, my friend?
2: I'll take amazing. Uh, good morning, and uh, yeah, I mean it's morning for me. I probably would have been sleeping another four or five hours if we didn't have the show to do today. I'm more <laughs> of a, a night guy than a uh, than an early afternoon gentleman, but uh, I'm excited for uh, for the guests this week. I'm going to talk to Josh Booty, Uh, being a a Trojan fan like I am. uh, I was uh, watching John David Booty and was rooting for John David in some huge years uh, at USC. And, man, when I was just looking up some stuff about Josh uh, to talk to him, he has lived a pretty cool life, huh?
1: Hasn't Um, he? Hasn't he? (laughs)
2: Just just done a little bit of everything. We'll, We'll have him on in a minute and talk to him. But he came up. His family—they're um, just a huge football family involved in coaching. Um, all, all of his family members—they're involved in sports in some way, shape, or form. He was a, a phenom high school quarterback. I think he, I saw he threw for eleven thousand plus yards in high school when nobody else had ever thrown for over ten. He defeated, or he uh, was awarded a lot of um, a lot of accolades going up against Peyton Manning. Uh, going into uh, like his senior year of of high school, he got drafted into MLB. And as you were mentioning, it was what the highest signing bonus ever at that point when he got drafted.
1: It was. And to me, the thing that there's a couple things that stand out about Josh. Well, many things really, but one of the things that um, I always found many intriguing is a, a line or a quote by Bill Walsh where he said that Josh Booty was the best. Not one of, but he said the best high school quarterback to ever play which is uh, an, an amazing accolade coming from the, um, the genius himself. But aside from that, I mean, it's amazing when you think of, you know, people like Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders and Brian Jordan, who have been two sports stars, you know, Josh played at the highest level, won a world series with the Marlins, did get the highest signing bonus at the time by the Florida Marlins, like you mentioned, and that we talked about earlier, and then went on to play at LSU. So, you know, we kind of hear about that now with the Russell Wilson type thing but Russell You know, even though he's been to training camps and played in the minors, Josh actually got to the big time show. So we'll talk to him about that. And he's really the perfect guest at this time of year because baseball playoff, uh, you know, run is, is really heating up at this moment in time. We'll talk about that a little bit with the schizophrenic Dodgers and the Indians win streak and who he likes for the World Series. But college football is heating up the NFL I don't know if heating up would be the right word, so we'll yeah, we'll, no, we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll get <laughs> Josh's warming opinion. warming
2: up at a slow pace. I mean it's better to have football than no football, but um, this this week in particular, it's an it's an interesting week. There are ten road um, ten road favorites this week, and if you look up and down the slate, I only found one game where you you can. Probably say both the teams playing have played good games in the two weeks so far we've had, and that's uh, the, the Falcons-Lions. Other than that, we're, we're going to be looking at a lot of teams who've played bad in, in one of the two weeks so far. and We just haven't seen very many consistent teams all the way through. The, the, the play level has not been very good, um, but, I mean, we're going to bring Josh and we're going to talk about all this in just a minute.
1: Yeah, well, let's, let's do that right now. Our next guest as we've already set up a little bit, is one of the best athletes really in the last 25 or so years. Major League Baseball World Series winner with the Florida Marlins, NFL draft pick after he played a stellar career at LSU. He's played with the Cleveland Browns, with the Seattle Seahawks, the Oakland Raiders. Josh Booty is our guest. Josh, how are you, my friend?
3: I'm getting to the age where... I've been out of out of sports for the last five or six years, and man, I I still feel like I can play. I wish I was, I wish I was in uh, in mid season form uh, like these guys in the NFL right now. But I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and to hang out with you. So this is gonna be fun.
1: Hey, the pleasure is all mine. It's an honor to have you. And, you know, you, you'd mentioned kind of a little bit of a layoff and having not played for a while, but you actually did do something interesting a couple of years ago. For those who don't know, you were involved in a reality show <laughs> through the Major League Baseball MLB Network, and you actually won the yeah. competition. Why don't you tell us about that before we kind of dip into your yeah, history for a little bit? It, yeah, it was
3: kind of a cool deal. Um, I don't know if- the listeners, many of them know a little bit about golf and the big break, but it was like the big break for Major League Baseball Network. They wanted to do a reality show where there was a competition reality show, and it was coming off the uh, off the summer of R.A. Dickey winning the, the Cy Young as the first ever knuckleballer. So it was, it was something that had never happened before. No knuckleballer had ever won the Cy Young, and it happened that year. R.A. Dickey just had a wonderful year, 20-plus wins. Yep. Uh and and pitched unbelievable. And it was the knuckleball that really won him the Cy Young. So Major League Baseball Network had an idea of, hey, let's bring in because it's a short arm motion when you throw a knuckleball. And there's Ben Wakefield and Charlie Huff and Tom Candiotti and the Negro brothers. There's only been a handful of guys, even right now, uh in the big leagues in R A but uh that have thrown the knuckleball successfully. Usually uh, you know, it's fastball, curveball, slider change and Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, so it's a completely different pitch. It's, uh, it's so unorthodox, but it's a short-arm motion. And so they had this idea to bring in quarterbacks because, you know, if you watch a quarterback's mechanics, it's all short-arm motion throws. So, you know, they don't get to wind up. Now, there's been a several NFL quarterbacks wind up. One comes to mind, Byron Leftwich. You remember he had that big wind-up, <laughs> kind of like a baseball pitcher because you can, take your, you can take your time on the mound, right? But with a knuckleball. Yep. It doesn't work like that. You've got to really be like a catcher. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to kind of come up close to the ear, and it's got to come out weird. You cannot throw with uh, with with tons and tons of velocity the knuckleball. So you have got to take the spin off the ball. So it's a short arm throw. And they thought quarterbacks would do well in a in a uh, in a reality show. So they brought in a bunch of former quarterbacks. There's five or six of us that competed in like a big break type of. A reality competition show, and I ended up winning the show. I think Doug Clouty went the furthest, along with with a guy named David Green, who pitched. I mean, who played quarterback at Georgia uh, and played in the NFL some, and myself, and and uh, I was able to knock those guys out. But I, I was the only guy with real baseball experience, so I did have the upper hand. The Diamondbacks signed me after the show. I was I was actually throwing it pretty good. I kept the spin off. I could get people out. And went to spring training several years ago with the Diamondbacks, the big league camp. So it was quite a it was quite a uh, experience for me. I'd never been that nervous before in my life. I I I I only had been throwing the knuckleball for about a month to get ready for the show, and then uh, I guess two months. You know, I won the show, and then a month later. I'm standing there on the mound against Bruce Bochy and the San Francisco Giants pitching in a big league spring training game. and I've never been so nervous in my whole life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? And did you pitch in <laughs> high school as well? Because you know, everybody knows that you were a defensive whiz in the infield and, and, and a pretty darn good hitter. But were, did you ever pitch in high school?
3: Yeah, I, I did, um, but never the knuckleball. I mean, no one ever really thinks to pick up a knuckleball. Most of the knuckleball guys end up... You know, pitchers that come off injuries and are fooling with it out in the outfield. and The next thing you know, you know they they're they're fiddling with it and, and it looks good. And they start playing with it a little bit more. And, and over time, it just turns into usually a an injury turned a pitching injury turned into a, a potential knuckleballer. With me, I was just a I was just a flamethrower, thrower, man. I tried to throw as hard as I could. I really didn't even throw curveballs. My dad didn't want me doing that as a youngster because. I felt like I you know my future was going to be playing uh you know in the infield and not pitching uh so you know that's what i did i I played shortstop and and uh like most of the you know better players in the high school level play shortstop center field you know uh as positions um you know that's what I did. I played shortstop and then of course quarterback at the high school so that's what I grew up doing man
1: well we we started with the end or the end of, of your professional career with the Diamondbacks, let's go back to the beginning. And, and, you know, Gino and I were talking about this before we got on the air. How was it that you decided between baseball and football? I know you had major college football programs from around the country making offers, and you also had the signing bonus kind of dangling for you as well. You obviously loved both sports, excelled at both sports. Yeah. But what went into that final decision to go with baseball? And obviously, we're going to transition into how you decided to go back to
3: football. Sure. Um, You know, it was, was, you know, I guess I was 18 years old. It's, you know, at that point in your life, you're like, you know, every little thing matters. It's the biggest deal in the world. You don't think about anything that else is going on around you. I just, you know, I committed to play football and baseball at LSU, and I was really growing up, baseball was always my favorite. Uh, my dad played college football. He didn't play baseball, but, uh, the neighborhood kids and the people that I associated with growing up were they were all baseball guys. So football wasn't a big part of my life until, uh, until high school. And my dad opened up a a private Christian school called Evangel Christian in Shreveport, Louisiana, who's, you know, won a lot of titles now and even won a USA Today national championship. But before that, man, I was a baseball player. They got me to go out and play high school football because they were—they said they were going to throw the ball every down, put me in a like a, a deep shotgun. Uh, we really didn't have great linemen and let me just play pitch and catch So with the receivers. So, we you know, football became more fun later in life. Early on, it was always baseball was always keen for me. I, I grew up watching Don Mattingly and, and Will Clark and, uh, Kirk Gibson, and, you know, a lot of these guys were my heroes. It really wasn't the football guys. But football took on a a whole new life to me in high school. We we had an unbelievable program. And, and to get to what you said about how, how did I make the decision to go to baseball first out of, out of high school instead of go play quarterback at LSU, it was because the Marlins were a new franchise. They drafted me in the first round. I, I felt like I got drafted high enough to get – a bonus that was worth me not going to play college football. And uh, I had some major league call-ups in my, uh, uh, my agreement or in my deal with the Marlins and they were, and they were a new franchise. So there wasn't a whole lot of stacked prospects ahead of me. So I figured I could get to the big leagues really fast um, by signing with the Marlins. And of course, uh, and go and try to, you know, go after my dream of playing in the big leagues. That was what I always wanted to do since I was little, so I, there was just really no way that I could not sign with the Marlins because of the opportunity that they really presented me, and then them being a new franchise, and you know, in the NFL, you're always three years away from, from uh, the NFL once you leave high school, because you've got to go to college for three years. I knew I could get to the big leagues really quick, I thought, with the Marlins, and I was teammates, and I hate to be long-winded, but I was teammates with Alex Rodriguez in the uh, U.S. Olympic Festival, and he played short and I played third, and he batted third, I batted fourth, and he was drafted the year before. So I was on the Olympic team after my junior year of high school, and I saw how what happened with Alex and how fast he moved up the ladder and how well he did in the minor leagues, and I felt like I had kind of similar talents. He was a little faster guy than me. Uh, he ended up being a forty forty guy in the big leagues, but I figured I could get to the big leagues really fast, and the, and so th- you know that was part of the reason too is like you know I, I think I'm a I think I'm a big league baseball player, and and I knew that you could play longer, and you know and then <laughs> you know you could have a longer longer successful career as a baseball player from an injury standpoint. So that that first decision, that all kind of played into in, in to why I chose the baseball.
1: Well, that's a a, a pretty uh, in-depth, uh, you know, perspective one that you're not going to get anywhere else, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. We've got about 30 seconds before we go to our first commercial break, and I wanted to ask you, what was Jim Leland like playing for him?
3: <laughs> he was, <laughs> was he smoking he was, cigarettes exactly. in the dugout? <laughs> he was, He was, and, and he'd take two puffs and he'd, you know, he, he'd throw it in the in the bathroom right there next to the, to the dugout, and he'd... You know he would uh, he would he would stomp it out, but he, you know what he 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 was actually one of the first guys that truly believed in me. So I love loved Jim Leland. He was a he was a sports nut. So uh, you know people think Jim Leland baseball. He is a baseball guy. He is Mister Baseball. But he loved football. Man, he loved athletes, and I think that's why um, he was a great coach because he, he he just enjoyed the people that he coached all the time. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't the nerdy baseball guy. He was, uh, he just loved sports. He loved grinders. He loved guys that could get out there and and out athlete people. And he always put, you know, unbelievable lineups on the field with these unbelievable athletes. And, I mean, at at the Marlins, when we won it all, it brought some studs in. But, I mean, our outfield was Moise Zulu, Devon White, Gary Sheffield. I mean, you got guys that are were all-stars just caked through our lineup, and I was just a rookie coming up. I didn't get any at-bats in the World Series, but the team that Leland put together in Hazea in Florida was one of the best teams ever.
1: Yeah, I know it was. It was a fantastic team, and it's too bad that that team had to be broken up down the, so quickly down the road, but let's pick up with baseball right after the break. I know gino has got some questions lined up that he has in mind. Let's... Take a quick time out, and we'll come right back with the legend himself, Josh Booty. We'll be right back.
0: Your internet
4: flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health.
2: P.M. Eastern Time on the Voice America
0: Sports Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to mike at com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We are proud to have with us Josh Booty here. You can also tweet us at Mike Abadir, A-B-A-D-I-R, at It's, Gina, it's Me, Gino B. I always mess that up. Uh, for Gino Bacola or Josh Booty at Josh Booty 10. So we where we left off was regarding your relationship with the Florida Marlins and the belief that skipper Jim Leland had in you and... That was a fascinating time period in your life winning World Series talk to us a little bit more about what it was like hitting big league pitching and was it what you thought it what you thought it was going to be
3: yeah you know I, I think hitting a baseball at the big league level is one of the hardest things to do in sports for sure I mean I think being a you know being on the PGA tour has got to be similar um, just it's just such a it's such a tough thing to do when you you face guys throwing, and then nowadays, man, you got so many guys throwing so hard with you know their training regiments and you know has strength and, and size and, and and how that's come into play in the sports. I mean, these pitchers seem to be all you know six four, six five, six six throwing ninety five, ninety six, and it's every day, every day, and you know these kids are playing eighty games when they're twelve years old now and. So these these guys are super prepared super early to, to do it but you know I I came from you know I was playing baseball halftime I was playing football in Louisiana we played 20 high school games in the spring and 20 in the summer and then I was playing football man I, I didn't have the like like Alex Rodriguez he was playing a hundred games a year 120 games a year down there in Miami and that's what he did all year round so it was very difficult for me first of all to pick up the wood second of all to to be in the big league the year after I signed uh, out of high school and to be on the field with, you know, those guys I mentioned, like Sheffield and Terry Pendleton and Darren Dalton and Conine and Bonilla. and I mean, we just were stacked. And so, I mean, it was very eye-opening for me not only to hang around with those guys, but I mean, Andre Dawson was on our team, Ke- uh, uh, Kevin Brown, Al Leiter, just naming some names, but we had a roster full of guys that were a lot older than I was, and a lot wiser than I was at nineteen. And 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 yet I was I found myself in the locker room with those guys, so it was quite an experience. But you know, no one hits Kevin Brown when you guys throwing ninety seven with a sinker and slider. I mean, he was winning eighteen twenty games every year, and those are the kind of guys you go up against. Man, I did face Dwight Gooden, I faced Roger Clemens and John Smoltz, and I mean, those guys at nineteen, when you're just when you're just kind of getting into the big leagues or trying to break in, even if it's in spring training games, those guys they know what they're doing, man. So it was a it was a rude awakening for me. Um, it was a little tougher than I expected.
2: Well, Josh, uh, your former teammate Arod, I gotta say. He's been an incredible uh analyst in his in his transition yep. post game. He he breaks the games down. He's one of the absolute best, I think, in any sport. He reminds me now of how Romo's been in football the last couple of weeks, really calling things yep. before they happen and giving like a great insight. We're gonna put the pressure on you now with just a few weeks left <laughs> in the baseball season. I'm a huge Dodger fan. I'm yep. 30 years old. I uh, the last time the Dodgers were in the World Series, I couldn't speak yet. So. This was a year when it looked like the Dodgers all throughout the season, they're still the favorite to win. They've been excellent until the last month or so. Still have a big lead. I think they just need one or two more wins to clinch. Um, But there are a few games ahead of Washington for the National League overall. I think they're only a game ahead of Cleveland after the 22-game win streak for Cleveland. What is your overall thoughts on on the baseball layout right now, and uh, who do you like kind of heading into the playoffs?
3: Well, well, those are the two teams that I that I like. Um, I also like the Red Sox just because I've followed them. I follow them; they're one of my favorite teams to watch. I, you know, I, I kind of like these these guys that are kind of falling off the Red Sox uh, tree. You know, Terry Francona in Cleveland, Dave Roberts now the Dodgers. I mean, they're they're proven winners. They know how to win ball games. They know how to. They got over the hump and won the World Series. Dave Roberts played a huge role in that. And then in the, in the the reversing the curse with, you know, Millar and Baritek and all those guys that were sure in is. Boston with Big Poppy. And, and so, you know, Roberts knows how to win games and win championships. He does the little things right. He's been in the clubhouse. Of, I, I, it comes down to being, you know, in the clubhouse when the when it's getting – grind when, when the grind gets really grindy, you know, at the end of the year. And the Dodgers had that big losing streak last week and the week before. You know, sometimes it's tough to kind of – turn the tide and get the ship back directed right, and I think that manager coming in like a Jim Leland and saying that right something, like you don't want a manager coming in and talking every day and wearing you out in the locker room or, or you know, where you got to come in early and listen to a speech. You don't want to hear a lot of rah-rah stuff. You want to hear the right stuff, and I think that's what Francona does. That's what Dave, Robert, Br- 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 Dave Roberts brings to the table. I think that's what big leaguers need especially these teams that are veteran laden teams, the guys that have been there before, Kershaw and company, they they got it going on man, they just got to figure out, you know, who their who's going to be probably their second starter in the playoffs. And then the Indians, I mean, you got to talk I've never seen a team so hot in my entire life. They had uh, saw some stat where they hit home runs in their winning streak of then then they allowed runs. I mean, that's ridiculous stuff. So I mean, both these teams are very, 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 very good ball clubs, and they got very, very, very good managers.
1: Yeah, and I I would think that the Indians have maybe the edge, not just because they're peaking at the right time, Josh, but also, you know, they've been there, they had that experience of being in the World Series and going through some difficult postseasons. I know the Dodgers have as well, but their postseason success uh, or lack of success is do you think that's going to be something that hangs over their head?
3: It could. It could. And you know, the, the Cubs are getting a little, uh, the Cubs are getting better here towards the end of the season. And of course they made an unbelievable run last year, but the Indians, they had that series last year, man. I mean, they had it in their grasp. So yeah, they're, you know, they're coming off of that. They're really, really hungry. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like the Falcons probably are in, in the NFL. I mean, they blew that Super Bowl last year. They they can taste it, and they're coming out. They've come out hot. They're two and zero, uh, and they look like they haven't missed a beat. They've actually they actually look better. I think that's maybe what Cleveland's got going on in that clubhouse. is just that hunger, that desire to get to where they were last year and figure out a way to win. You know, yeah. I think
2: one of the as a Dodger fan, one thing that I feel like this why I want to capitalize on this year is. I feel like the last few years we've seen the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Nationals be the strong teams, and with the Dodgers getting such an advantage early on, I think the way that this the playoffs set up for them, if they don't have to play both of those teams and go through two series of Washington 80. and then the Cubs, or the Cubs and then Washington, I think that could really be the key for them. I'm not trying to overlook Arizona sure. or whoever else might be in the wild card, but just from a purely what would how you could get yourself set up best, I think, for the Dodgers to not have to go through those two teams and play two difficult series, that's why as a fan I'm hoping and I'm thinking this is the year where they really set themselves up best.
3: Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean you you really don't want to play teams that are that are really good, you know, have really, really good defined pitching or teams that are really, really, really hot at the very end of the year. I mean it's baseball, is such a crazy game. I mean, you can hit, you can go four for four and hit lazy singles, or you can go over for four and hit four rockets. And just, you know, tie, the way that baseball works out is so crazy sometimes. And and that's why you know, winning the World Series and going through that whole postseason and winning the games and having those big series and pitching well over time and all that—it's so important. So it's going to be fun to watch, see how the Dodgers kind of respond to. You know some of these this bad week or two and kind of getting back uh, getting back to where they need to be. I know uh, Darvish is a, 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 a they need him to pitch well, even if he's the three starter or whatever in the in the rotation. I mean they've got to have some some really good pitching efforts to to beat the Cubs, to beat the Nationals in these series, man. Because you're talking about the best three teams in the National League, best four teams in the National League. Arizona is another, like you mentioned, another great a great team, great organization. Uh, and they've been hot too, so it, I think this National League race is it, the National League pennant is going to be a really fun one to watch.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think both you know both leagues. It's going to be a fantastic postseason, and uh, hopefully, we can bring you back and, and break down some of those matchups once they become set. I've actually got a couple of emailers asking me some questions. We've got a couple of minutes before we go to break, so um, they obviously want us to. Uh, go back to your college football roots at LSU coach O today announced that their, their stud running back is going to be out with a minor injury. So I'm not sure what's going on with Darius, but overall, man, um, I know they're near and dear to your heart. What do you think of the job that coach O is doing? What do you think about the prospects of this season? Because you're going to have a stretch coming up here in a couple of weeks. I mean, they've got Syracuse and Troy coming up. So that'll be, um, you know, I don't want to say a cakewalk, but they should be able to advance. But then you have Florida followed by Auburn at Mississippi and then Alabama. Tough stretch. <laughs> yeah,
3: it is. Um, you know, I think Coach Orgeron is doing a, a good job, and this is the reason that I believe it. He's, he's, he's going to recruit well, and he's got two solid coordinators. Aranda, uh, the defensive coordinator. Matt Canada, the new guy from Pitt that he hired uh, this off that is his offensive coordinator, and you know they in the, in recent years, and I, and I cover LSU football. I, I do LSU radio, and, and have uh, you know have my own radio show down there in Louisiana. So I'm this is this is what I talk about all the time. Darius guys, of course, they're sending him out because they feel like they these next two weeks they can win without him, and the SEC stretch is coming. But Orgeron and them need to be able to throw the football. If they ever get behind. Uh, in recent years, they've never been able to catch up. They've always, they've always really flundered and floundered when, when they're down you know, 10, 14 points. They can't spread you out and score in bunches like in Oklahoma or Clemson or uh, you know, TCU, Oklahoma State, or you know, USC. I mean, some of these teams that can beat you throwing the football. LSU hadn't recruited the types of quarterbacks because it's not been their identity in the last five years that can hurt you in the pass game so they can't play uh, pitch and catch uh, out wide, and that really hurts them. They can, however, or they have, however, been able to line up and steamroll people unless they go up against teams that are similar in size and speed and strength, and that is Auburn, that is Florida, that is Alabama, and then those games get really testy. And then if they get behind, there's nothing they can do, so I, I think that's their biggest test is how can that passing game progress enough to where they can be balanced enough to win the big ball games.
1: That's great insight from an LSU insider. We're up against a break, but when we get back, we want to cover a little bit more on the college football side. We'll start with USC and then transition to the NFL. Do you have time for one more segment with us, Josh?
3: Yes, sir. Let's do it. Outstanding.
1: Then, everybody hold tight. We'll be back with more football talk with Josh Booty right after these messages.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is, the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and Freshly delivers to my home and my office, so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to mike at the com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back. We are with college football and NFL insider Josh Booty, And we were just talking about LSU and what they can expect over the next.
3: Jim. And MLB. Well, I mean, if I,
1: I, I could keep going, right? Radio guy, TV guy, reality show guy, MLB insider. He does it all, and he does it all really, really well. So. Let's, uh, let's continue with the college football conversation. I know Gino is a diehard USC fan. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he names furniture and pets after uh, SC Trojan type <laughs> stuff. So I know you wanted to, to spearhead this conversation, Gino. What, 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 what are some of the things that are piquing your interest about SC
2: all. hopefully uh, John David's doing well. I was a huge fan of, of uh, John David. He was awesome over here for us. But uh, we survived the big scare this weekend, the Trojans did, with Texas. Texas played really, really well. Who do you see um, – where do you see things stacking up towards the, the top? You know, it's a lot of the usual suspects this year, you know, you have Bama, who looks good, Oklahoma looks good, uh, Clemson. Who, who, to you, look like the teams that you think are going to be hanging around at the end of the year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a a handful. I mean, I think there's six or seven teams. Penn State looks like they're playing great team football. Um, You know, Ohio State took it on the chin. Michigan's a little young. So, uh, you know, out of the north, I like Penn State. I think... Uh, you know, no. off the East Coast with Florida State's quarterback going down. you got to think Clemson and what they've been able to do with Bryant kind of picking up where Watson left off. Uh, they're scoring in bunches, and they play great defense. They shut Auburn down a couple of weeks ago. They shut Lamar Jackson down last week. I mean, uh Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago. I mean, they look solid as it gets. And Dabo Sweeney now has been in the championship the last two years. They've got a great shot at going – Uh, right back. I think they're closing the gap on Alabama a little bit this year. Uh, Of course, in the SEC and in the South, I do like Bama because of their just really the strength and size of their team. And and Nick Saban is the the X factor of all X factors. And he was my coach in college. And I know how prepared those guys are each and every week and, and how balanced and well that, you know, they run the football, they play great defense. They're like the the Ravens back when Ray Lewis was in, in Baltimore, and Ed Reed. I mean, that's the kind of football Alabama plays, and it's so tough to to play them, If you especially if you have to play them week in and week out like uh, the LSUs and the Auburns and the SEC West teams, Arkansas, a and I mean, it's just they're such a juggernaut, man. It's so so Alabama, and then I like, you know, out West, I like SC, but, you know, of course I love SC because my brother played there and I – and I, going back to Pete Carroll and Carson Palmer and all those days, Reggie and all—I love SC, man. I mean, no one likes them more than I do. But um, there's just some inconsistent play there. And Texas—they stopped the run when you. When I thought that Texas wouldn't be able to stop the run last week, I was at that ball game. It was one of the best games I've seen in in quite some time. But it was some sloppy play. A lot of a lot of drop balls uh, by USC receivers. Some great plays too in the ball game. Ronald Johnson and Stephen Carr are probably, the you know, maybe the best backfield tandem in college football. So I like the guys at Georgia, too. I, I, I don't want to fail to mention Sonny Michel and um, the other kid there at Georgia. I forget right now. But I think those, you know, the backfield's awesome. Sam Darnold uh, just can present everybody with just tons of problems. If they get hot and they play pitch and catch, I don't think anybody on the West Coast can beat SC. So, those would be, you know, those would be my three or four teams along with Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And hopefully that Bedlam game at the end of the year will, will mean a ton to the college football landscape.
1: Hey, and let me jump in here, by the way, guys. Let's not sleep on one team, and that's the Washington Huskies. You know what's really interesting about them is that they've got a really tough matchup this weekend against Colorado in Colorado. Both teams are 3-0. and mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, when you look ahead at their schedule, guess what team they don't have on their regular season schedule this year? USC. USC. (laughs) So, I I don't. I don't see Washington getting beat. But then again, I've said that so many times with the crazy Pac-12, and then you have a fifty-five to fifty-one shootout, and you never know what happens, and a team gets knocked off. But don't sleep on Washington.
3: I agree. I think you know. You look at the head coach there too, and he's man. In college, the head coach makes such a big difference, and he's such a solid guy, head guy there that I don't think there's going to be a lot of slip-ups there for Washington. I think they're going to play sound, solid football week in, week out. It's just, you know, the Pac-12's got some good teams in there, so you got to got to play your schedule, man, and then you're going to probably get an SD at the end of the season. So, for them, it's going to probably boil down to, you know, that final game and then where they're you know, how their wins looked and, and different things uh, of that nature. And if there's you know, uh, who, who has no losses? Who, who are the one-loss teams out there? Because um, I, I, I think out of the Big 12, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU at Oklahoma State this week's a great matchup. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about that and TCU, but TCU's got an experienced quarterback in Kenny Hill. They're scoring like 50 points a game. So is Oklahoma State. That thing's going to be a barn burner. But TCU is a team that I, I'd watch out for. they got great defensive linemen, great corners, that's going to be some good football this
1: week. Sure is. And you know what? I'm really excited about this weekend. It's just right around the corner here. And I know Gino and I were talking about some matchups. Gino, what. College football games intrigue you from a point spread perspective, and maybe we can get Josh to chime in on what he thinks.
2: Actually, I'd rather talk a few NFL point spread games, if you don't mind, because this was a really – we, we keep forgetting, Mike. We feel like we have five hours sometimes, and the show goes by I know. so quickly. It goes um, by
1: so
0: fast.
2: Um, but what I thought was interesting this week, Josh, there are 10 road favorites in the NFL, wow. and it's So early in the season, this is when you know Vegas is still having a tough time figuring out what the right betting lines are. We actually have the Browns favored on the road at Indy. That just gives you an idea <laughs> of what Vegas thinks of Indy right now. Playing with uh, Tolzien and we will probably be starting still with no luck. Um, you mentioned a team that I want to want to talk a little bit about the Falcons. Seems like the real. Only marquee or one of the, the marquee matchups this weekend is the Falcons at the Lions. Two, two and 2-0 teams. We saw the Lions get a win on Monday Night Football. They're quietly 2-0. and o. Falcons are a three-point favorite at the Lions. Vic Beasley's out six to eight weeks. But Atlanta yeah. jumped back with a really good game last out. They kind of dominated the Packers through. Green Bay's a little bit banged up. Uh, wh- how do you see that game unfolding? And Is Atlanta right at the top
3: tier of the, of the teams in the NFL? I think so man. I would have them number 1 on my on my rankings <laughs> if you were to ask me. I think you know the 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 Vic Beasley injury is a big one. That's going that's going to hurt them for the next 4 to 6 weeks. But I think what they do on offense, if if you watch what they do and it's funny that Sarkees and the old SC guys call him plays and 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 is with them now. So it's fun to watch them but uh Matt Ryan NFL MVP Devontae Freeman, absolute stud, who is a three-down back. Coleman, the backup, is an absolute animal. He had a long run last week. Julio Jones, one of the best receivers in all of football, probably the best receiver in all of football. And then Sanu, he's like 6'4", 230. I mean, they've got monsters on the field. Julio Jones and Sanu, maybe the biggest tandem of wideouts I've seen in the NFL ever. I mean, they're these guys are dynamite, and then Matt Ryan's back there picking them apart. These guys know how to win football games. I'm telling you, they were they were a couple of mistakes away from being Super Bowl champions last year, of course, and we all know that what happened. But they're the most they're the most solid team that I've seen in the NFL by far. I mean, by far. I would that Green Bay game, man. They made Green Bay look bad last week, and I'm telling you, I don't care if Detroit they played a bad New York Giants team that can't move the football. They're like the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I, I love Atlanta, and, and I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a Sean Payton fan. I'm a Pete Carroll fan, but Atlanta's got the best offense in the league. Let's go uh, to the, the Thursday night game. Tonight
2: uh, we have the Rams who are opening the season For the third straight game, they're favored. They're actually favored on the road again tonight. It's up to three. They're playing at the 49ers. 49ers hung in very well against Seattle, but Seattle's struggling. We've seen so much bad offensive line play early on in the season. A lot of teams that just can't move the ball, can't seem to score. We've seen a little bit of improvement from Goff. Gurley's bounced back a bit. Uh, What do you think about this game? The Rams, three-point favorites up at San Fran. Oh,
3: you know, this game is not one that I'm, I'm, I'm watching real close, but you know, I'm I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I, I do you know, both teams have good ground games, um, not particularly masterful through the air. And so I I really think that it's gonna be a low scoring game. I do like the Rams in this ball game, it'd be a great win for them. They anytime you win a game in the national football league it's a good win. I think if the Rams can get another solid win here this will help kind of boost uh golf and, and what they're trying to do. Uh, McVeigh and the different things that they're trying to do. I'd like to see the Rams come out with a win. Um, I just think the, the 49ers are, they, they've got they've got a tough road to hoe, man. I don't think they're a very good football team. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the guy they drafted from Alabama. I know he's been injured. I don't think he's playing. I, you could probably tell me Reuben Foster but I love the linebacker out of Alabama. I think he's going to be a, a great player. I think John Lynch is going to turn some things around but I do like the Rams tonight.
1: Hey, a couple quick matchups, because we only have uh, about a minute and a half to go. Um, I don't know what you were looking at, Gino, but the two quick ones I want to ask about, will the Chargers go to 0-3? They're playing the Chiefs this weekend.
3: (laughs) I like the the Chiefs, brother. The Chiefs are a very, very good football team. Andy Reid, Alex Smith, they run the football. The the emergence of that, the the running back Hunt, uh, he's been one of the He's been one of the best fantasy players the first two weeks of the season. I um, mean, Kansas City's got a great football team, and and I know Philip Rivers, and they got some offense. But you you gotta like KC in that matchup. What do you got on top, G? Uh,
2: let's go Panthers Saints. This is an interesting game because we have not seen the Saints really play with that standout offense. They've had two tough games to start the season. I don't really like what I've seen from the Panthers yet. Now we know Greg Olson's been placed on IR. They're a little bit banged uh-huh. up. Um, Cam has missed some wide-open throws. We haven't seen a, a ton yet from McCaffrey. This game, is if the Saints go to 0-3, they're going to be in some trouble, and Carolina could be 3-0 and and a lackluster 3-0. I think they're a six-point favorite at home against the Saints, the Panthers are.
3: Yeah, the, the, the Panthers haven't been able to do a lot on offense, and the, the Saints, of course, put up big numbers on offense but have no defense, and their secondary is really weak, so... It is going to be the telltale. The telltale is going to be can Cam Newton throw the ball downfield to really penetrate that secondary and and hurt them with big plays. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game to watch. Division game, it's always a always a good game. Anytime you got Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you can you can be in any game. But uh, I mean, the Panthers are are so, such a strong team. I think compare especially on defense compared to what the Saints bring to the table on defense. That I do like Carolina in that game and. We might be looking at the last season. Uh, You know, if things really unfold in a a bad way down in New Orleans, this could be Sean Payton's last year in in New Orleans.
1: Hey, I've got an email from Mike in Gilroy, and he's asking, do you have any locks this week? And maybe we already kind of covered them, but anything uh, jump out at you?
3: I'm going to let you all go with that one. I I don't really know. I'm not looking at the lines right now, but – Maybe Gino can answer that. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit a
2: few more when uh, when in the next segment after after uh, Josh gets off with us. Um, but uh, I think you have to survive uh, the airport, is what I heard. That's right.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm headed into LAX right now, so I'm I'm all over the place this morning. But dude, I, I really enjoyed doing the show with you guys. Man, you guys are awesome.
1: Man, this was fantastic. We got to have you back on where we maybe have a little bit more time to focus just on football talk. I know that's where your passion is, and then also talk about baseball playoffs and you know, what, what the teams are, are, are dealing with within a small series. And do you throw Kershaw out there 10 times or how do you go about surviving? So <laughs> we'll would. talk about all the, all that good stuff, Josh, obviously the listeners out there can uh, follow you on your Twitter, Josh booty 10. Uh, is there a radio station in particular that you're going to be on in the next couple of days that they can kind of hear a little bit more about, um, your analysis,
3: man, I'm, I'm on SB nation radio. Um, national show called The Franchise and then I also do a couple of Louisiana shows on ESPN Radio called The Ticket um, and they can get that app, The Ticket Sports Radio and that's I have my own show in Louisiana. I'm fixed to launch a fantasy football uh, show as well podcast but I haven't done that and um, so it's kind of hard to follow me actually but if you get on SB Nation Radio and, and look for The Franchise or look for uh, the ticket sports radio in Louisiana. You can hear me there.
1: There and you I have also it. Also mentioned
3: before you go, uh, a couple of relief um, uh,
2: relief, I guess, fundraising things you were involved in. Is there anything that you want to mention or plug?
3: Man, I, I'm not I'm not involved with one or you know over another. I, I'm just trying to help out. I'm trying to actually put some deals together to really bring some some you know some things down there to uh, Houston area and then in the South Florida. There's a real need there, and then. And then uh, also had some friends in Puerto Rico that, you know, there's no, there was no power yesterday, and I don't know how long that's going to last. So just really praying more than anything for these people and trying to help them get some stuff down there to, uh, you know, to, I guess kind of mitigate the all the stuff that's been happening down there. And, and Texas band is just was just hit so hard, people don't really realize it, but you know, hundreds of thousands of homes ruined where people are have had to, to to uh you know change up their life and and so it's a it's a really tough time i mean the, these disasters have been have been horrible for the u.s
1: oh amen to that we'll we'll definitely keep all of them in our prayers and if there's any cause in particular or organization that does good work that you're involved with you know please let us know and we'll get that message out there in the meantime, Josh. Thank you so much. This Thank has been gosh. a lot of fun. We definitely appreciate it. Have a fantastic weekend. Go LSU. Thank go SC. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, Josh. Yeah,
3: thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. A lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. That's Josh Moody, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, uh, participating in that conversation, Josh. And we will talk to you soon. We will be right back after this short commercial break.
4: internet flagship station for
0: sports voice America sports
3: get ready for the get down with Hurley Brown want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches
2: we're talking western ambush this week on the revolution with jim and trav taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the western states joining us is jason matzinger host of into high country jill gechter from cinch jeans dean capuano of sawarski optic quest and freddie hartice of hollywood hunter it's presented by outdoor channel sportsman channel world fishing network and my outdoor tv friday afternoons at one pacific time on the voice america sports channel Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 888 346 That's one 888 346 or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now back to this week's program. Welcome
1: back, everybody. That was a treat for us to be able to spend a few minutes with Josh Booty. I hope you guys all enjoyed it as much as we did for the last few minutes of the show here. We want to talk about a few NFL games and also end with what we've customarily been doing, which is expecting a lock of the week racing wise from Gino Bacola. So Gino, I'm looking at this slate of games. They're complete dog-ish, if you know what I I mean. I didn't know what Um, you were going
2: to say there. I was like, what are you allowed to say? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, before I get beeped out here, um, you know, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are looking at these games, whether it be from a fan's perspective or a point spread player's perspective or a fantasy football perspective. A couple of the matchups that I found to be interesting, let's just say from a point spread perspective, is the Bucks are going into Minnesota, but Bradford is out. Now, Minnesota looked pretty good in week one against the Saints. How good they are, we don't know because we don't know how good the Saints are. The Bucks looked pretty good in their first game, which was last week because their week before was postponed due to the hurricane. So the Bucks going into Minnesota, road game for the Bucks and the young team led by Jameis. What do you think about this matchup? Um, I'm not finding a spread for it. Um, I think,
2: yeah, I think it's it's right now, the ones that I've seen that have that are up, it's even. But I think they're holding out on the line because they don't know about Bradford. Because that's going to change the way that this, this line is. Um, he was a limited participant at practice on Wednesday. I'm actually hearing that he's trying to play. Um, he, he got involved a little bit. I just don't like anything I'm hearing on the Minnesota end, though. So I would definitely go to our man Adrian Ross's team in uh, in Tampa. Tampa, they just beat down the Bears in Week 1, and they have weapons. Their defense forced three first-half turnovers. They forced another one with their special teams, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. He's going to be... You could see that him and Jameis were just a bit off with the hit Deshaun. They, they had one or two big passes that they just couldn't quite connect on. But I think this is a very, very good team. They're only going to get better in a couple of weeks when Doug Martin comes back. So, yeah, for me, I would play Tampa in this game Heavily, if it's anything close, I would play Tampa. I think they deserve to be favored with or without Bradford because if he's banged up at all, Minnesota needs they need Bradford to play as well as he did in Week One for them to be a good team. And if they don't have that kind of an effort from him defensively, uh, they're they're good, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to score enough points to to compete. I could see this being like a low scoring game, especially if Bradford's not playing, where they're both just kind of. Um, you know, running the ball and it's, you know, it's between the tackles kind of game. So I would I would go Tampa here.
1: You know, this league is a league of uh, matchups and quarterbacks and two games that I found interesting before we get to your horse racing analysis are the Seahawks of the Titans. You know, we got Russell Wilson and Mariota over there. That's in Tennessee. And then I think the best game of the weekend is going to be the last game of the weekend, which is the Sunday night game. Oakland Raiders. At the Redskins. Uh, you know, you got Carr and Cousins. So, what do you think about those two matchups?
2: Uh, Tennessee versus Seattle. Tennessee right now is a couple point favorite. They're at home. Uh, Jimmy Graham didn't practice Wednesday with an ankle sprain. The key for Seattle is they got to protect Russell Wilson. They gave up 10 quarterback hits. And uh, from a running perspective, it was nice to see Chris Carson get some run. Rawls came back. Eddie Lacy was inactive. But Seattle's been allowing a lot of rushing yards. And we don't know if DeMarco Murray's going to play for Tennessee. He's trying. Derrick Henry looked like an absolute monster. He is... If DeMarco Murray is not playing this week, he's going to be a big, big play in daily fantasy leagues. You know, your FanDuel, your DraftKings, your Draft, all those places, he's going to be a big play. Um, I think this is a big, big game. For Tennessee is that their schedule is not that strong. So if they can beat Seattle here, they can win, you know, three or three of their next four games and they can, you know, be maybe five, six and one or so. This is a really, really big game. I would lean towards Tennessee. I don't like what I've seen from Seattle yet. Seattle is generally the type of team that starts to peak towards the end of the year, the middle of the year. They rally and I think that's going to be the case. They'll still make the playoffs in a weak division, but we're going to go Tennessee here at home. And if me... You're playing Let, me interrup-
1: Let me interrupt because we got thirty seconds. Give us the Raiders, Redskins winner, and then give us the Parks winner.
2: Raiders look like one of the best teams in the NFL. Keep an eye on some of the injuries: Rob Kelly, Jordan Reed, both questionable right now for the Redskins. And Marshawn Lynch is is dancing. I think uh, I think the Raiders are going to be good. Play of the weekend for you, Mikey, at Parks. It's on Saturday. We're going to go to race number nine. It's the five American pastime. This horse comes in from SoCal. I know him well for Bob Hess and Kent DeSormo. There's not a ton of sprint speed in this race. I think the versatility for him will be key. Should be sitting just off the pace, uh, maybe third or fourth early on American pastime. That's the number five in race nine this weekend at Parks. It's a big weekend with the Cotillion and the Pennsylvania Derby.
1: Love it. Hopefully some of our listeners can bang all of those plays, whether it be football, fantasy, or that winner that you just gave out of Parks. Thank you, Gino, for that. We thank Josh Booty for bringing it for a terrific interview. And most of all, we thank you all, the listeners. We will see you at the same time, same place next Thursday when it's just Gino and I covering all of the relevant issues and hot topics and more point spread talk and horse racing winners on the Mike Abadir Show. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time and 11 a.m. Pacific time for another show with Mike and his co-host Gino Bacola on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.